0: Hi, I'm Cliffson, I'm an alcoholic. And thank you for inviting me here. Uh, When you talk a lot, after a while you get thinking you know something, you know? Uh, Oh, here's Cliff. Uh,
1: But it's really easy
0: for me tonight. Uh, I wanted to carry a small suitcase today and so when we left this morning i what i had meant to do was to carry my my uh blazer over my arm all day on the plane and uh, and have it when i got here but when we got to the airport i discovered <laughs> i did not have my blazer with me at all uh is this thing going to do that all night dick fix it
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. Or maybe I should talk quietly.
1: Or
0: uh, all the girls would be up here after me. Uh, what are you making faces about? My wife went, uh, uh, yeah. But so I had no coat, so uh, Dick went looking for a coat for me, and they had an old coat hanging in the back of... Now I can have nothing at all. Uh, so they, Dick found this coat that was hanging back behind where you register evidently left by Man Mountain Dean
1: Uh,
0: so I got this coat on I feel like I (laughs) got to go I'm not going to feel terribly important tonight I'll tell you that for sure (laughs) I can't even see my hands for Christ oh well what the hell Ooh. That dick's been after me for years. (laughs) No, I may shed it later, however. Uh, I was, uh, when I came to Alcoholics Anonymous, I was uh, uh, what my sponsor used to refer to as a silk cheater, a high-bottom drunk. I wore a suit and a tie to work every day, and my sponsor, um, God rest his soul, was a Skid Row Wino. And it was very important to him that you dress up when you talk. Now, I think it's stupid. <laughs> but he didn't think so. <laughs> and so, uh, since he saved my life, I thought I'd do as he said. He's been dead now for 11 years, but I still always dress. I don't care if I'm talking here or the Salvation Army. I dress up, because I don't want him coming back to get me. <laughs> And, uh, and I'm very grateful to the committee for inviting my Alanon and I to come. <laughs> you know how they introduce us? Have you met my alcoholics? Sit up, boy. Sit up. Sit up.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Tell them how long you've been sober. Well, I'll tell you how long I've been sober (laughs) because of a loving, vicious and cruel sponsor, (laughs) because of the steps of the program of Alcoholics Anonymous and service, and a lot of people like you. I have been sober since the 13th of January, 1970. Actually, I came to Alcoholics Anonymous in 1965. And never had to drink again. I drank a lot, but it wasn't necessary. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: and I, uh, I love your theme. I love the Rule 62. It's pretty easy tonight, I'll tell you. <laughs> uh, don't take it seriously. Bozo the Clown, don't take yourself seriously. uh i uh, rule 62 is one of the greatest rules of all time one of the great gifts of the program of alcoholics anonymous is the ability to laugh at yourself that's the greatest gift maybe of all i don't know and then of course the uh, to uh, become usefully and and happily whole it's stated on the sign that happily and usefully. i'd like to think it the other way around because i never was happy till i got to be useful uh the the promises say that they say uh, uh, that feeling that that singular that feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear I always wondered about that I was an English teacher that's bad grammar (laughs) should be these feelings of uselessness and self-pity Bill knew exactly what he was writing didn't he that feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. Usefully and happily hold. You ever see the losers? They don't want to do anything, do they? Don't ask me to sweep up, goddammit. You know. (laughs) You want me to what? And then they go bye-bye. And you see the workers and the workers are always smiling and they're always looking for more work and they're always sober amazing happily and usefully and happily hold I'd like to thank Liz uh, who is my telephone our telephone uh, helper to uh, get us here and, uh, and of course Dick for picking me up and picking us up today and driving us around I, I really love Dick and I like to ride with him but you know being a car with a drug dealer it bothers me it bothers me <laughs> just, just makes me nervous it's a, so uh i really enjoyed larry he was terrific uh those of you who missed him ah ha 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 i didn't he was marvelous matter of fact he was a little too good for the speaker following him uh it was a great story he told it beautifully and i had a wonderful time i laughed my head off uh but he had a great message too i'm not like larry uh i'm a functioning alcoholic uh i'm one of the 95 to 97 percent of us uh, that die of alcoholism the experts in the field of alcoholism whoever the hell they are you know Uh, uh, i think i think a guy uh, to be an expert in, in alcoholism you have to have a phd and still be drinking you know uh but the experts whomever you know they say that 95 to 97 percent of us that die of the disease of alcoholism, that become dead are functioning alcoholics like me guys who get up every day and go to work and do the job (laughs) do it better than anybody else i have to do 10 times more than you to prove i'm half as good anybody identify with that ah you're in the right place I'm a doer I'm a keeper a functioning alcoholic one guy said a functioning alcoholic is one whose wife works <laughs> uh. <laughs> don't tell that in an Al-Anon meeting you married guys remember that? Don't you think you had a few too many? I say you had a few too few. That's your problem, ladies. Have a couple and loosen up, baby. And counting. Remember the counting? That's your fifth one today. Just shut up and eat your breakfast, will you? For God's sake. Because I'm, I'm like Jimmy, uh, I like to have a good time. Uh, I'm one of your all-time great fun drinkers. Remember? <laughs> fun! Oh, don't say that in an Al Anon meeting. They don't. they don't like fun. <laughs> they have fun. But in an AA meeting, you know, you say, FUN! And all the way, eyes glaze over. You know, yeah, yeah. A little slobber runs out of the corner. Like, you know what I'm talking about. Jimmy does, God knows. FUN! You know, getting beaten to a pope and go to jail. Find your car at the bottom of a ravine in the morning. Remember that with you in it. Fun! Oh, I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. Didn't you? I couldn't live without it. Oh, I couldn't live without fun. Even that last stinking, horrible, rotten couple years. Remember your last two years. Uh every night you just do it get up in the morning sick and dying call ralph for about a half an hour so there's just left nothing left but you and i hate that part oh i hate that part and uh, my old man told me if you eat breakfast and go to work you're not an alcoholic made sense to me you know he's ever said a word about puking breakfast back up again so I would go to work and I was a school teacher a high school teacher uh, I love to watch mothers clasp their cho- children to their bosom when I say something uh, and I would go to stand in front of a bunch of kids that adored me and I would talk about love and truth and honor all day dying
1: dying
0: and I was working for this jerk principal who was out to get me and he would get me all day he'd get me and he'd get me and then I'd go home and I was married to her she'd had her sense of humor surgically removed many years before And by it'd be five in the evening, and I'd go in the bedroom, you know, and get the pistol out. Remember the pistol? I always had a pistol. And I was just gonna check and see if the barrel was still cold, you know. <laughs> just then, old Sean'd come by and say, "Hey, Cliff, let's go have some fun. <laughs> And I'd say, oh! If there's anyone new here tonight, that's called alcoholism.
1: <laughs>
0: now it's been clearly explained to you, hasn't it? You understand the word alcoholism. And uh, But I was a functioning alcoholic. That's the way I drank my whole life. Lots and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of times I had fun. And then there were those other times, huh? When I had those blackouts. I never had a good blackout. I don't know about you. I've looked all over day A for years and years. Never met anybody said, oh, I have delightful blackouts. Yes, man. I have not run across one of those. In my case, I never woke up in the morning and found I'd helped the little sisters of the poor all night or something like that. Mother Teresa and I had not been a team. When I woke up in the morning, there was blood. <laughs> my blood
1: always my blood because
0: I'm a fighting drunk when I get in a blackout man I want to fight I'd rather fight than have sex that's called step two And, and the great pity the great pity is I'm not very good at it that's the tragedy you know in my case the very millisecond that I would get enough booze in me to become brave I would lose my muscle coordination, <laughs> and you can get seriously damaged doing that.
1: <laughs>
0: and so I would wake up just beaten beyond recognition. One time when I was young, a bunch of us went from Bakersfield down to to Long Beach to have fun. <laughs> I woke up in this flea bag hotel, and I thought I was blind. I had bled face down on this pillow all night, see, and it dried. So when I come up, the pillow came with me, and I'm smothering in there, and I think I've lost my sight, and there was a sink in the corner, and this other guy and I threw water, almost drowned then, we kept throwing water, finally went, there's a mirror on this dresser. I said, put the pillow back. Oh, my God. I'll never forget the guys who were with me. They said, you were great, Roach. They said, you got up 19 times.
1: <laughs>
0: Did you have friends like that, too? it sure had been the other way around. I said, come on, Leroy, get up. Don't just lie there, you know. And uh, and so that was my drinking pattern. We got that out of the way. Uh, but after I had met my wife, Pat, and she's going to talk tomorrow morning, and you'll hear the story tomorrow morning. See? My life is hearsay. <laughs> Isn't a lot of yours? you know, She was there. The whole time, she was there. Except sometimes, she told me about a year ago, oh, sometimes I make up things you did. <laughs> and I never know which one. Because <laughs> well, much of my life is hearsay. But if you want to hear the family roach story, come in tomorrow at 11. Tune in tomorrow at 11. <laughs> but uh, I met her in college. She was down on Skid Row looking for an alcoholic to abuse her. And uh, <laughs> we entered this 20-year suicide pact together. And, uh, and we had that dreaded dual disease. I don't know if any of you had that in- dreaded dual disease alcoholism and catholicism (laughs) and uh consequently we had a kid every nine months and 20 minutes and uh what it seemed like to me anyway you know (laughs) every time i come out of a blackout (laughs) (laughs) who's that and they're all right when they're little like kittens you know but they grow (laughs) and i became a teacher and uh I became very paranoid about those blackouts because, as you know, you're not supposed to do felonies when you're a school teacher. <laughs> and, I, and when I'm in a blackout, I got—that's a hobby of mine. I do felonies, okay? <laughs> uh, and so, God, I just became terrified of having blackouts. And to a great degree, for a lot of the time the last few years, I did not have that many blackouts because of, of fear. But I don't know about you, but I became an everyday drinker. Every day, I had to drink. We moved to Oceanside, California in 1961. It's about 30 miles north of San Diego, right on the Blue Pacific there. I was talking to a former jar, uh, Marine uh, who was at the Pendleton there. And uh, we have a big Marine base right by us, Pendleton. Uh, anyway, uh, I became a high school teacher there at Oceanside High and, uh, and a daily drinker. I had, to have a, I had to drink every day in order to survive in the world. And uh, But I was a functioning alcoholic. I was highly successful. Uh, The the week (laughs) I came to Alcoholics Anonymous, I weighed 163 pounds. I'm at 4% body fat. I used to surf for like two hours and then get out and run five miles. Could bench 285. (laughs) Used to take me 20 minutes to pass a mirror. When my daughters used to get money from me they were in high school then, and i wouldn't have a shirt on they'd say oh daddy v up v up <laughs> oh can i have some money yeah hell yes. <laughs> i was sober two years before i figured that out <laughs> i think you can notice that a.a is maybe twice the man i used to be <laughs> but you know i was in shape my liver was gone but i was in shape and I was just making as much money as I ever made in my life. a <laughs> School teacher. <laughs> uh, I was one of the top three debate coaches in the western United States. <laughs> That's like being one of the top three prostitutes in Elko, Nevada. You know, uh, but among speech coaches, it's a big deal. You know what I mean? Uh, I went to AA the first time. In 1965, as I said, uh, and I went sincerely, the only time I've ever been sincere coming here, uh, another guy, another surfer dude and I, another teacher, we had this surfboard shop down at the beach there in uh, Oceanside, right at the end of the strand, right on the beach. The mayor of the town gave us this little building to use for a surf shop. We're going to rent surfboards and give surf lessons and repair surfboards, make a million, never have to teach school again. And the building was all beat up, so we fixed it up real nice, painted it, put windows in, got a refrigerator. Uh, <laughs> a few months later, we got some surfboards, too. You don't know. And we had these two chaise lounge chairs right out in front of the shop. They're right on the beach, on the water. Can you imagine? We became sunset connoisseurs. We used to measure sunsets by martinis. I was always the mixer. I'd say, looks like about an eight tonight, Woody. (laughs) The best one we ever had was a 15 martini sunset. It was glorious. And the sun and Woody and I went right together. (laughs) They found us in the morning with sunburned mouths. You remember that? I think that ought to be on the twenty questions. I really do. You ever had a sunburned mouth? Nah, get the hell out of here. You ain't ready. You ain't ready, pal. Old guy down in Texas I talked with. He said uh, on the twenty questions, he ever. He said, "You ever been run over by your own car
1: <laughs>
0: while you were driving it?" I've done that. I belong here. I... But Woody and I loved that shop. Oh, people come down in the evening and say, I'd like to rent a surfboard. Get out of here. We're watching a sunset. <laughs> we did really well. But in February of 1965, it was freezing cold. We were back teaching school again. And, uh, and I went down on a Sunday morning to repair a surfboard. And uh, I had a hangover. Oh, really? Yes. Sunday morning. I'll be darned. And,
1: uh,
0: and I was really thirsty. <laughs> and I went to I was not a morning drinker and uh, I went to the refrigerator to find a coke or something and Woody had been there the night before and he left about this much vodka and a half pint and there was some orange juice in the refrigerator and I thought hey that would put the fire out so I mixed up this little dinky drink and drank it and went on about my business sanding the surfboard and after about 20 minutes uh, that little bit of vodka kind of circulated around through my body. <laughs> That'll do. Then that. went <laughs> 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 and my mind talked to me. My mind said, "Shame on you, Cliff. Shame that was Woody's booze you drank. Why don't you go up to the liquor store?" And get Woody a pint. That's the kind of guy I am. That afternoon I got Woody a fifth. And I just ended up with resin all over me. The board was ruined. The shop was a mess. And I was drunk. Remember when you would admit you were drunk? Only been drunk twice in my life. <laughs> and uh, I crawled home, literally crawled home on my hands and knees. And the next morning, I said to Pat, uh, "I got to do something about my drinking. I'm getting drunk when I don't even mean to. Usually, when I mean to." <laughs> and she'd cut that little thing out of the paper that we've always had since the day we started. You know the little ad says, "If you want to drink, that's your business. If you want to quit, call it Alcoholics Anonymous." I just think it's perfect, don't you? You know, we're not a treatment center. We're not a rescue society. If you want to drink, pal, have at it. But if you want to quit, we'll go to the end of the earth for you. We'll do whatever it takes if you really want to quit. And uh, so I called the A&A. And uh, Stan came out and got me the next morning. Next evening, took me to some meetings. Stan died with like 53 years of sobriety big loving simple guy and he'd take me to these little meetings that were in Oceanside area that little dinky meetings five six people around the table I realized right away I'd made a serious error in judgment uh, I had overreacted here uh, I mean you know I, I have degrees I'm, I'm highly educated my sponsor used to say I'm educated far beyond my intelligence uh, well, these people,
1: do do, 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 do.
0: <laughs> I tried to help them, you know. Uh, <laughs> and about the third night, this guy said, "Hey, we keep it simple here."
1: <laughs>
0: I said, "No shit!" <laughs> <laughs> oh, you could have fooled me, Hiram. <laughs> do 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 do,
1: do. <laughs> So
0: I uh, I kind of dropped out of AA
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I used to go to the Sunday night speaker meeting there in Oceanside maybe once every other week or so and I would wait for the meeting to start you know sit out in my car till the meeting started then I would skulk in and get the losers chair you know the one you know, somebody else had it. I'd say, that's my character. <laughs> and I'd sit in the back of the room with speakers and I'd sit in the back of the room and just judge the speakers. We're talking here, one of the top debate coaches in the Western United States, listening to these clods. Everybody sounded like their name was Clem. You know, he'd been out of bib overalls about an hour and a half. And the wife's name was Martha. And I heard them say, if you're new, this is not what they said. This is what I heard them say. I heard them say that Clem and Martha had been good, decent, happy, sincere, worthwhile folk their whole lives. But they had drunk too much. And after they'd drunk too much for a few years, it started interfering with their lives. So they'd come here to the a and <laughs> way they always said it the a and they had put that plug and they had returned they had gone back to being good decent simple worthwhile folk again that's what i heard them say i heard them say they had been rehabilitated you know the word rehabilitated my hero in 1965 was a guy named elders cleaver He was a black militant terrorist, and that was my politics in 65. Blow it up or burn it down, I didn't give a shit. I was for peace. And if you weren't for peace, I'd kill you. And Eldridge had given this great speech a few months earlier. He was talking that night about the prison system, about how they were always trying to rehabilitate him. He says, you know what they'd never known? He had never been habilitated. <laughs> and you can't rehabilitate somebody who'd never been habilitated. <laughs> See, I don't know about you. This is my story. <laughs> That's how I felt in the A. You goose at some point in your life must have been alright. I have never been alright. I came from the same family as Jimmy. I think we must be related. You know, it was World War III in my family. Everybody was drunk. They're all dead. They all died of alcoholism. My mother died of alcoholism when she was 43 years old on Skid Row in Los Angeles. She fell down a flight of stairs in a drunken stupor and broke her neck. And on her death certificate it says, Accidental fall. We all die of alcoholism, all of us. I'm the only one alive. And I was crazy when I was four years old. We lived in Venice, California. And I was a little bitty, toehead, had beautiful hair. You should have seen. Uh, Well, you're laughing, Curly. Anyway, I have no resentments. I would stand there by my little tricycle and wait for a car to come when I was four years old. And when the car would come, I'd go, people drive along and say, look at the little button. <laughs> I
1: did
0: not know how to do this yet. You know what I mean? Oh, if I could have done that, I would have done that. Because that's how I felt when I was four years old. I was angry when I was four years old. And I was afraid when I was four years old. And I was getting even when I was four years old. And I was in vendetta. When I was four years old. And when I was four years old, I had a big black rock right there. I've heard described a million different ways in AA, a hole in the belly. In my case, it was a big black rock. And I never had a thought in my life or took an action or had a reaction or an emotion in my life that wasn't generated and controlled by that black rock right in the middle of my belt. And if you don't know, it's a horrible way to live. It's hideous. When I was 16 years old, I found a great secret. I found that after I drank about 40 minutes, something happened to me. As I look back on it, I guess I disengaged whatever lobe of the brain was connected to the black rock. And after I drank about 40 minutes, I would have about 8 minutes where there was nothing wrong with me. I was equal for eight minutes for eight minutes I was enough and I was willing to die for that eight minutes so if I do a service talk like the Lions Club or something you know we do P.I. stuff I don't tell the Lions Club about the eight minutes they look at you funny
1: <laughs>
0: kind of like Al-Anon's <laughs> How many times were you beaten beyond recognition? How many cars did you wreck? How many times did you go to jail? For eight minutes a day? (laughs) See, but what they don't understand is that without that eight minutes, I could not have lived. I would have had to kill you, or you would have had to kill me. I could not have lived without the eight minutes. And that's why I'm grateful to be an alcoholic. I could have been just crazy. (laughs) The eight minutes kept me alive long enough till I got to you. But one night I was sitting in this mopey meeting listening to Clem. And I thought, they want me to give up the eight minutes to hang around with Clem and Martha. No, 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 no. So I resigned from AA. Have you ever done that? Really upsets them, doesn't it? Yeah. And so for the next five years, I'm in and out AA, mostly out. I would come to AA for 30 days and be drunk for two years. Then I would come to AA for 30 days, and I would be drunk for a year and a half. One time, I came in in the afternoon. They 12-stepped me all afternoon. So I went and got my big buddy, John, took him to the meeting that night and became his sponsor. (laughs) (laughs) And the next day, we both got drunk. (laughs) Just a loser. And when I was here, I was an overeducated, pompous ass smirky loser and I was proud of being a loser and I wasn't like you peasants and so you imagine how, how they revered me around the program <laughs> you know the funny thing is though they always greeted me with a smile they always said we're so glad to see you back cliff sit down one time there was a Sunday night meeting I used to go in and out and, and the meeting had little cards uh, you know recipe book cards. They'd catch your sobriety date on it. And old Tim Keene, who was the perennial secretary of that meeting, he would see me come in the door and he'd take the card and cross out the old date
1: <laughs>
0: and write the new one in.
1: <laughs>
0: What's really embarrassing is I came in the back one night and he picks up this card and goes, huh, that's another card.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's embarrassing.
0: <laughs> oh, this. there we're glad to see me But I was right on functioning the whole time. Dying of alcoholism and functioning. I became one of the top debate coaches in the nation. Uh, Kind of by mistake. The principal asked me to come in one day and he'd gotten a flyer in the mail about a debate and a speech tournament which was being held at San Diego State down the road 30 miles. And he said, uh, boy, I was teaching a speech class. So he said, hey, you ought to take some kids down to that. I bet that would really be good for them. They'd probably get a lot out of that. And I was in big trouble with him, so I said, oh, what a good idea. And uh,
1: <laughs>
0: and I found about six, eight dummies wanted to give it a go. And uh, I took an hour and a half to taught them what I knew. And we went down the road 30 miles to San Diego State College where they were having this debate tournament. And we were astounded when we got there. There were like 50 schools participating, maybe 500 contestants. All the boys were dressed in three-piece suits with vests and ties. The girls are in these lovely business suits. We're in Levi's and sweatshirts. What the hell do we know? And we didn't win around. I mean, they killed us. They slaughtered. They butchered us. They ground us in the guts what they did. Now, I don't know what kind of drunk you are, but I don't care for losing. It kicks me off to lose and I went in the coach's room and I'm steamed anyway there's about 25 of them in there they've been doing this for years they're buddies they're compadres they snubbed me it seemed to me so I hung around all day they can snub me longer that way you know one guy there really pissed me off he had a lot of beautiful hair that bothered me a lot
1: beautiful
0: gray hair you know steel gray not a hair out of nine barbers to get it right you know had about a thousand dollar suit on. The other coaches did this when they went in front of him. And uh... <laughs> about two in the afternoon, this guy suddenly turns to me and says, "Hey, where are you from?" I was grateful to be spoken to. I said, "Oceanside." And he said, "Oh, where's that? Thirty miles up the." road where's that I don't know what kind of drunk you are but he gave me a resentment and I went back to Oceanside High took me several years but I built a speech team and that gray haired guy never left my mind the whole time And I built a juggernaut speech team is what I built. I built a powerhouse speech team. I built a massive, overpowering speech team and I did it with sheer hatred. (laughs) Man, I'm in their faces screaming and yelling every day from seven in the morning till 9.39. I'm coaching. (laughs) Guy next door says, I'd love to watch them leaving your room wiping the spit off their glasses. This reporter asked my team captain, uh, what's the secret of your coach's success? The kid said, terror. <laughs> do you know how much work that is to make a hundred people do what they don't want to do? I mean, that'll wind you up. Especially if you don't eat all day. Huh? See, I don't drink all day. I don't touch a drop all day. I just have to know that booze is waiting for me when I get through here, so I don't eat all day and I drink maybe 400 cups of coffee and I stay pissed off. <laughs> and out in the glove compartment is this half a pint of hot vodka. Boy, oh, I love to talk about hot vodka now and on meetings. Ah, uh, uh, but we know, huh? <laughs> This hot vodka's in the glove compartment calling to me all day. I'll call, go get him, Cliff babe. I'm waiting, darling.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: and I can do anything. How about you? I can do anything. I'm, I'm all powerful as long as that hot vodka's waiting for me in the car. I finished that last evening out in the car, opened up this hot vodka, lighting those cheap cigars I smoked in those days. And I always drink half the half pint. Just. Oh, is there anything? Go down there, just goes to work, huh? It's in your bloodstream, like now. You know, the nerves were hanging out the end of my fingers. They're like. I I puff on that stogie all alone in the blackness of that car. I puff on that stogie and say, God damn, you're a good coach. (laughs) finish the half a pint, sit there in the darkness and give the gray-haired guy a few
1: minutes.
0: (laughs) And then when I have my eight minutes and then I would drive home and start drinking. And I drank every night at home for the last seven or eight years. And I'm a violent drunk and a sarcastic, mean, foul-mouthed Intimidating drunk, and I drank every night at home. And uh, I destroyed that family. We had five kids, and we were seven of the looniest tunes ever on the face of the earth. We're all crazy, we're all hopelessly destroyed by alcoholism. Three of my kids were in high school, we're talking the late 60s, huh? Oldest son is working his way through high school as a hashish salesman. Never had to give him any spending money, I'll tell you for sure. I used to hit him up for a fifth about once a week. Oh, you should have seen it. He was a pip. Had hair down to his butt, you know. Head went like this all the time. Called his mother, man. Hey, man, what's for dinner? Oh, took LSD like it was popcorn, you know. And scared the hell out of me. I'd be right in the middle of sense. He said, "What was that?"
1: <laughs>
0: of course, the shape I was in I said, "I don't know what." what was it? <clears throat> oh, <that. laughs> it was just Looney Tunes. I just touched the tip of the iceberg. She'll tell you the whole thing tomorrow. She was there. Poor baby was there. So I destroyed my family, wiped them from the face of the earth, but I built the speech team. That's called alcoholism. And uh, after a couple of years, we won one of those speech tournaments. But I didn't say anything to the gray-haired guy. Wasn't time yet. <laughs> The next year, there were like 12 or 14 tournaments all through the year. My team took first place in every single tournament. And I can wait. I think revenge is better than Christmas, don't you? <laughs> now, next year, there was a tournament. There were 25 schools participating in the tournament, and my team scored more sweepstakes points than the other 24 schools combined. Then I went up to the gray-haired guy and I put my nose right against his and I said, do you know where Oceanside is now? He just looked blank. He said, what are you talking about? I said, don't you remember about four or five years ago you said to me, Oceanside, where's that? And he said, we just moved here from Nebraska. I didn't know what it was. <laughs> the story of my life. Four or five years, this guy's in his bed in San Diego every night. I'm up in those... I'll catch you, you... <laughs> Right after that, Pat and I had one of our main events, which the neighbors have come to miss so much. And uh, well, our neighbors never got television until after I got sober. They, they didn't need it. They just didn't need it. You know, they all had those Venetian blind marks on their forehead. You know. But this one was really a main event, and I threatened to move out, and everybody said, "Yeah, Woo! go for it, Dad." So I moved out and I'm living down at the beach where I'd wanted to live with my surfboard anyway. I'd said for years I'd get rid of that witch and those long-haired dope fiend children I could drink like a gentleman again. <laughs> and I'd gotten rid of them and it wasn't it. I was drunk all the time. I was missing work, you know, which was my badge of honor. I couldn't, I was missing work all the time. One afternoon I went by the house and I was haranguing Pat about money and the hashish salesman was kind of bobbing in the background there and <laughs> humming a tune from the planet Pluto <laughs> I turned to him and I said Dave what's it like not to have your old man around the house dumb question because he looked me right in the eye and he said it's beautiful and I didn't know it for a couple hours and uh, that was my bottom. That's as far as I'm going. I lost the respect of a 16-year-old kid. And later on that afternoon when I was sitting watching the most beautiful sunset that I've ever seen, I realized that I had lost my own self-respect a long time ago. I've worked with alcoholics now for a lot of years, and I never met an alcoholic yet that loved themselves. Very low self-esteem as well we should. (laughs) I told my sponsor, I feel so guilty. He said, no, you're guilty, you son of a bitch. Uh, (laughs) But you know, I had had myself, I'd had three or four things about myself all my life that I had respected. Just me about me. And I realized when the sun was going down into the water that night, that evening, that I had traded in those three or four things about myself with the privilege of drinking booze. And I went in the bedroom and I dug out the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And I had read it in one of my travels through the program. Being an English teacher, I thought it was very poorly written. (laughs) Read a lot better this time. (laughs) I read it for three days and three nights. I called in sick. I didn't go to work. I ate a little tiny bit and slept even less. And I read the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. I read it cover to cover. If you're new, I read all the stories. I read the appendix in the back. And in the second edition, there was a story called The Professor and the Paradox. And he was another egotistical school teacher. And he saved my life. He rang my bell, that guy. And on the third time through the book on the 13th of January, 1970, at 3 o'clock in the morning, I was on page 63 again. And if you're new, on page 63, there's a little prayer. And that little prayer is step three. I've always called it the formal terms of surrender. And I knelt down on that filthy linoleum floor in that dump on the beach, and I read that prayer out loud to myself. I read, God, I offer myself to Thee to build with me and to do with me as You will. Relieve me of the bondage of self and when I was new I looked up the word bondage you know what it means it means slavery relieve me of the bondage of self and I had a spiritual experience that morning on the 13th of January 1970 nothing big I just knew I was going to be alright I knew that I was not in charge of my life anymore and it was going to be alright And uh, it's been all right since the 13th of January, 1970. And uh, I spent the rest of my life so far now trying to get Cliff out of his own way, trying to be relieved of the bondage of self. It works best with me with sponsorship. I'm able to get out of my own way a lot better when I'm thinking about you. I've heard, I don't know many 100 footsteps through the years. And the number one defective character of every alcoholic that I've ever worked with is self-obsession. Which leads to selfishness, self-pity. And the book so beautifully puts it, self-delusion. That's the one. And uh, that evening, I was at Bill Blake's house. The late, great Bill Blake, little electrician there in Oceanside little skid row wino who'd been sober eight years. Uh, and he was an AA fanatic. I love those kind. Uh, I knocked on their door. I'm standing on that porch all alone. I'm a five-year loser. I'm a smart-ass, overeducated, pompous, jerk loser. Margie opened the door. If you're new, i got to tell you this. I have never seen anyone so glad to see me in my life. This loser. She just lit up. She said, oh, Cliff. Oh, Cliff, come in. Gives me a cup of coffee. She says, oh, this is great. She said, Bill's been nuts lately. He's had nobody to work with. Oh, this is so good. (laughs) And then Bill comes in. Ah! Cliff!
1: Oh, God!
0: In about 15 minutes, I'm thinking, uh, anything else I can do to help you folks? Out? I'll be glad to help any way I can. They made me feel this way. They made me feel like Cliff's here. We can start AA now. I hope you had an experience like that when you got here. Uh, and I always try to provide that kind of an experience for somebody, especially if he's a loser. Uh, three weeks later, I was in a meeting with new other newcomers, newcomer meeting. And one of the other newcomers said, what do you mean this is a selfish program? And when the guy asked the question, I knew the answer. I found the answer the night I got here. Bill and Margie had been praying for me for five years. But they were more happy for Bill and Margie because they know the great secret. You can't have it unless you give it away. You can't keep it unless you give it away. Now, I don't know how you're going to give it away. I know how I give it away. Uh, and the pleasure's all mine. <laughs> I, mean, I got this new guy that's dope that I've been working with. He's going to have 90 days next week if I don't kill him. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, every time they say something, you say, that's what I said. That's what I was like. I'm looking at this guy That with me. You know, he's crazy to get his wife back, just like I was, you know. Uh, but anyway, by the way, that was the last nice thing Bill ever said to me. <laughs> Pat used to love him because he just chewed me out, and Pat would go.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but she went to al on then, you know, and my ribs healed. Uh, you know he was—he was so cruel to me. It was—it was beyond belief. Some of the other guys, he wasn't as mean to, but oh, he was cruel to me. I think the nicest thing he said the first couple of years was, "Shut up." <laughs> Shut up! I told him I have degrees, you know. He says, "So does a the thermometer." You know where they stick that sometimes. Those- thought the first step was, shut up and get the goddamn car. (laughs) Now for my, you know, after 30 years, maybe that is it. That's the best first step I can think of. Just shut up and get the car. And we went everywhere. We went everywhere in Southern California. His sponsor was Clancy. We had to go up to L.A. twice a week, Tuesdays and Saturdays, (laughs) where I was humiliated up there, too. And we, you know, in the car, we were, whenever he took me to Primarily, he took me to meetings where people are like you, where we were laughing and having a good time, where people stood at the door and shook your hand when you came in, and people laughed. Oh, I can't live without it. I'm sorry. I can't live without When Jimmy was talking and I... Larry! Oh, thank you, honey. She's, she looks up and goes... I appreciate it very much, honey. Uh, no, I, I always bug her because he never, she never talks in the microphone right. now. I'm a speech teacher, you know. So I'll go. Thank you, honey. But I'll be sure she's loud enough tomorrow. Don't worry. But Larry, Larry. You know why he looks like Jimmy from El to Mahone? That's why I thought of it. Uh, when we were laughing with Larry tonight, God always comes and whispers in my ear when we're laughing together. You know, it's going to be okay, Cliff. We're laughing. Nothing we laugh at will ever come back and haunt us again. That's what we're doing here. We're turning over the rock and all that crap in the bottom. I read a quote a couple years ago where the guy said, uh, sunshine is the laughter of nature. And I thought, no, no. Laughter is the sunshine of Alcoholics Anonymous. Because that's what dries that crap up and it blows away. Nothing I laugh back at will ever come back and bite me in the butt again. When I've laughed at it, I'm through with it. And I'm always glad to help you laugh at yourself. (laughs) 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 Ah, the laughter. It's, It's the most spiritual, nourishing thing about the program of Alcoholics Anonymous to me. I cannot live without the laughter. I can't. I love to get a new guy, you know. Take him to a meeting, and then take him to another meeting, take him to another meeting. And then one night he goes,
1: "Gotcha, gotcha, Tom
0: and I take these brand new little Allen ones. We take him to AA speaker meetings. Brand new, you know, real uptight little Allen on. little blue lips. You know, the AA's up here, and he says, "I fell on the Christmas tree and smashed all the presents." Ha, <laughs>
1: Yeah, we are pretty, ah.
0: This new little is going <laughs> Not funny to her. So well, we take her to another meeting, you know? And one night she throws her head back and laughs. And I don't care, AA or Al anon Once we got you laughing, we got gotcha. If you're new tonight and you've been laughing, you're screwed. You can't ever go back in that bar and tell, see what a good time you're having there, because you've heard the real laughter of alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, I I think you knew. I didn't start till about twenty till for the watchers. <laughs> I know you're doing that because that's what I do. She <laughs> started the thirty. Uh, you keep tracking. Who rang a bell? Oh. <laughs> I, my problem, I've always known what my problem was. When I was four, I knew it. My problem has always been I was not loved enough. Probably you've had the same problem, you know. I mean, uh, never, anybody ever came close to I me. Mean, my God, my wife tried, my children tried, a lot of my students tried, friends through the years. But I never knew what really was wrong with me. And my sponsor did, but he never told me, see. He never explained it to me because he knew... I was too stupid or too brilliant. What's the difference? You're just as dead. You know? What he did is he knew my problem had always been I never loved enough. I didn't know how to start to learn how to love. That was my problem. You know, when I was graduating college, this this counselor said, Oh, you have a philosophy minor. I said, No, no, my minor's history. I said, might be, but you've got more units in philosophy than you do in history. I never even knew that. All three classes have taken philosophy and studied and bored down. Studied them all. Never learned a thing. Every one of those guys, every one of those people that I read and studied said the same thing. The way to be happy is to love. Not one of them said the way to be happy is to be loved. Every single one of them said the way to be had, and I missed it. I had to learn it from an electrician, <laughs> but he knew how to put it. Shut up, and get in the goddamn car. <laughs> Stand at the door and greet people. Oh, I hated that, didn't you? When you were new, because I'm a snob. <laughs> oh, what's your name? Like I really. T- <laughs> We used to have wall talkers. You had them in L.A. too. You know, the guy sat in the back of the room, hey, you don't drink too long. As soon as the meeting was over, I'd say, go talk to the wall talker. Oh. So I'd go in the back of the room and say, how are you doing tonight? Hey,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> All these 12-step calls I had to go with him, there was this loser, worse loser than me. Al. I had to haul him everywhere, and I despised him. But, I, but he had no driver's license. I had to haul him everywhere, and uh, and Al got drunk again, and he called me, and I had about a little over a year, and I went to help Al, and Al was just broken because he almost had a year that time. He was just broken and sobbing. You know, what I'm saying, what do you always say? Hey, we'll go to a meeting tonight, Al. What the hell? You know, it's one day at a time. Come on, let's get started again. And out of my mouth, I said, I love you, Al. And I knew it was true. I knew I wanted that guy to be sober as much as I wanted to be sober myself. And if you knew here tonight, that's how we feel about you. If you want to stop drinking, we want, we, we wanted, you have everything we found here. And the only way we can stay sober is to give that to you to help you learn. And Al and I became this premier 12-step team. We used to do the good guy, bad guy.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> One guy, you're shut your mouth, put your whining, get your ass to meeting." The other guy said, never mind him. Come here. I'm on." <laughs> <laughs> and I grew to love newcomers. I grew to love newcomers. One night, Clancy was talking and he said, treat your kids like newcomers. What a concept. (laughs) What a... Pat had already gone to Al-Anon by then and learned that pornographic Al-Anon word, release. (laughs) I don't like to be released. I don't care for it at all. (laughs) You have me make a list of my 5,000 favorite things being released would not be on the list. <laughs> to get the black belt, you have to get the smile down. You have to say, I'm releasing you. So the Mona Lisa was an al <laughs> And so Pat had already started to release those kids, so I went in the bedroom and knelt down and said, take the kids, you got them, God. And God's done a great job of them. Uh, Our uh, youngest son has 12 years of sobriety. Our middle daughter had almost 11 and drank again. But now she has the better part of a year, and she's just doing fantastic. She's in my home group, and she's just doing a hell of a job. Our oldest daughter kind of went wrong. She's been in Al-Anon a long time. Uh, (laughs) And the youngest daughter, what the hell's the matter with her? She just grew up straight in a crooked family. (laughs) Tells a lot better about the kids. But the hashy salesman, on October 1st, will have a year of
1: sobriety.
0: <laughs> he's like his daddy. He's a functioning alcoholic. He was a vice president of an international corporation, so he couldn't possibly be an alcoholic except his liver was gone. <laughs> but God bless him. He's doing swell. We talked to him the other day, October the 1st. I'm going to go up there and see him get his cake. He lives in the state of Washington now after living many years in Hawaii. So as a result of the program of Alcoholics Anonymous and as a result of the program of Al-Anon, this family is pretty, w- pretty well. My All my kids, all our kids, all our kids are functioning, relatively happy, kind, loving, Members of the society, and that only therapy we've had is AA and Al Anon, and I like to tease Al Anons because they're so easy to tease. You know, <laughs> but I adore the program of Al. I have the greatest respect in the world for the program of Al Anon. Some of these puke AAs that I hear up kind of sneering at Al Anons, telling Al Anon jokes. I'll tell you an Al Anon joke. What's the difference between an alcoholic and a dog? If you let the dog back in the house, it quits whining. (laughs) That's an Al-Anon joke. (laughs) If you're new tonight, you don't have to believe that any of this stuff's going to happen to you. You don't have to believe that at all. But you do have to believe that it happened to me. To us. That a sick, neurotic, selfish, mean, crazy alcoholic lives almost every day of his life happy and joyous and free, usefully and happily whole. And I hope you do too.